Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Chats with Brent Martineau. The situation could be Dak Prescott on steroids. Remember we talked about Dak's contract for like two years? Well, this could drag out. I, I don't think it's a slam dunk that they're going to get something done. And he's sending mixed messages about whether he would play week one or not. I think ultimately he's a baller. He wants to go out there and play regardless. Um, but, you know, th this could get tricky over the next few months. I was half listening. Is that Jeremy Fowler? It was. It really sounds like him. Fowler's done well for himself. Every time you're half listening, by the way, it's Jeremy Fowler. Every single time. <laughs> it's either that or guess Chris Canty, your guy. That's for sure. <laughs> Brent Martineau. That's Casey Kurtz. Aaron Schachter here as well. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. And some big news out of Florida State today over in Tallahassee, which, by the way, I stopped for pizza in Tallahassee yesterday. And hey, maybe I had the biggest pizza I've ever eaten in my life. <laughs> and I'll have to tell our next guest that he's going to have to try that spot won't take him long to find it i'm sure uh but let's welcome in jeff colhane the new voice of the florida state seminoles to action sports jacks on espn 690 which is your home for florida state football and basketball here in the jacksonville area jeff congratulations man uh, i bet you're looking forward to getting to tallahassee and at least having that pizza i'm talking about well brent thanks so much it's great to be on with you guys and let's get right to that first things first let's talk about this pizza it's uh so a place called momo's pizza we yep. were told about and you know we didn't want to go to a chain we're driving home from birmingham alabama so we we text a friend sure. who knows all the hot spots in tallahassee and they suggested this and they said listen don't get the biggest pizza there is because you won't finish it wow and well they're right I mean, we had four of us and we couldn't, I mean, we, we should have got a small. In fact, they don't do small pizzas. They do slices, and they go right to medium. Hmm, how about that? That's the kind of pizza I, I can get behind. Uh, Jeff. I love it. Well, I, I, hope, to, I hope to share uh, some momos with all you boys uh, soon <laughs> down the road. Well, hey, man, uh, what a big day for you, and, and congratulations. Uh, how you feeling? I'm sure you're getting a lot of love from from all over, uh, you know, different facets of your life, and hopefully the Florida State world, too. But, but welcome aboard. Yeah, no, it's a great day. I mean, this is truly a dream come true and, um, you know, something that, you know, you, you work for and you want to be a part of a place where, you know, I guess to put it simply, it, it really matters. And that's obvious at Florida State. I mean, a blue blood program in college football, uh, what Leonard Hamilton has done with Florida State men's basketball, I think goes underappreciated nationally, in my opinion. And tremendous Olympic sports, tremendous women's sports as well that I can't wait uh, to, uh, to share success stories about uh, down the road. And it's been a great day. Uh, you know, my wife, Sarah, and I are fired up to get to Tallahassee and, and to, to connect with Seminole fans, not only in Tallahassee, but places like Jacksonville, Tampa, Orlando, you know, everywhere across the Sunshine State. So we're fired up. It's uh, It's been a whirlwind, and today's a great day for us, that's for sure. Jeff Colhane with us, new voice of the Florida State Seminoles, takes over for a Jacksonville guy and the legend Gene Deckerhoff. And I guess we have to ask you about that part. Uh, is there an assumed uh, automatic pressure in doing that? Uh, uh, obviously, it's an honor of some sorts, I would imagine, but what's the feeling of taking over for a guy who's been doing this for four decades and obviously uh, beloved over there in Tallahassee and beyond? Yeah, great question. It's it's a huge honor. It's a huge opportunity, and it's a huge responsibility uh, for sure. And um, I, I've got to be able to to join uh, the team of Barnon, William Floyd, and Tom Block, two guys that are great at what they do. And 
uh, I'm looking forward to being a part of that team. Um, I, I want to come in and, and have a lot of fun. And obviously, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be able to, to, to live up to the, the legend of Gene Deckerhoff. This guy is, is amazing. I mean, nearly half a century calling Florida State Athletics. Uh, while doing so, he's been doing Tampa Bay Buccaneers football and continues to do the Bucs here this fall. And so um, his resume speaks for itself. And um, I'm ecstatic to, to be able to, to be the next guy in line, right? Uh, I understand certainly that these are massive shoes to fill, and uh, I'm not going to fill them in one game or even in one year. Uh, it's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of time. I've, I've got a lot of work that I have to do, but I'm excited for the opportunity. Uh, by no means do I feel any sort of uh, trepidation about uh, about it. I'm gonna gonna work my tail off like I always have, and uh, I can't wait to uh, to call games in Gene's booth at, at uh, Doe Campbell here coming up this fall. Hey Jeff, Aaron here. I was curious if Gene left you with any words of advice, or if he's availed himself to you as you kind of learn the gig as you move along here. Yeah, Aaron, we're gonna we're gonna connect here soon. He's on vacation right now, and uh, he and I are going to connect later this week. Um, you know, he is uh, he's been informed of obviously everything going on, and spoke with Caleb Swan, the general manager of Seminole Sports Properties. So I can't wait to to get to work with on a daily basis as well. And so uh, we're gonna connect later this week. Um, you know, I'm, I've not met Gene, but Gene is the man. I mean, that's. Uh, quite simply, he's he is one of the best people out there. You know, he and I spoke uh, over the phone uh, over a decade ago. I had him on my radio show uh, when I was at Nebraska on our statewide radio network uh, talking Florida State football back in the day. And he left a, a huge impression on me with the story he told about his relationship with Bobby Bowden and what Coach Bowden meant to him and some of the things that the time they spent together in the summertime having – Having some cool drinks on the water. I think they uh, they had a shrimp boil for dinner the night before, and she was telling me all about it. And um, at that time, you know, I always knew I wanted to be somebody that could that could be a play-by-play announcer at a place like Florida State at a at a Power Five blue blood type of program. And when Gene told me that story, it it just it seared into my brain as well that this is a business about relationships. It's about connecting with people, helping out folks as much as you possibly can because. You know, we don't, we don't do it all on our own. And so that story from Gene uh, stuck with me over the years. And uh, it's it's one I carry with me with, with how I get ready each and every time. Jeff Colhane with us here at Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690. New voice of the Florida State Seminoles. Of course, you can hear the Knowles in football and basketball right here on ESPN 690 in the Jacksonville area. I've tried to do some research. I know you West Virginia and North Dakota State, and we'll ask you a little bit about that. Where are you originally from? I can't find that. Yeah, uh, originally from uh, a town called Mitchell, South Dakota. Uh, you guys ever been to the Corn Palace before in South Dakota? <laughs> no, but I, I want to go now. It's a huge hit, let me tell you. Oh. And then, yeah, I mean, it's people people love us for the Corn Palace in Mitchell, South Dakota. But no, grew up in the Upper Midwest, and you know, around uh, around radio and and broadcasting a lot growing up. Uh, got my first job. When I was 14 years old at an oldies radio station in my hometown of Mitchell, doing oldies songs and news, weather, and sports on a part-time basis, you know, called my first games on the sports side when I was in college, when I was 18 years old, and uh, sports has, has always been a big part of my background, and radio certainly has as well. My dad was in radio, 
Uh, an uncle of mine gave me my first job out of college. He was in radio and television and was a huge influence on me. And, you know, you take pieces of, of your, your stops everywhere with you, where you go, you know, from Nebraska to West Virginia, places where they're the only show in the state. And, and the, the level of, you know, consumption of Husker and Mountaineer athletics is as, as large as it gets. And then, of course, up here to North Dakota State, just the culture around here is special. Uh, nine national championships in the last 11 seasons, men's basketball to numerous NCAA tournaments. And so um, you, you, get to, you get to learn, you get to grow throughout your career, guys. And, and I've been lucky to be at some, some amazing places where uh, it's a big deal, where it matters, and Florida State, um, it's an honor to be uh, the, the next guy, or the next voice of the Seminoles. Well, you're going to do a fantastic job in Tallahassee, uh, and, and all those experiences certainly will help. Uh, I find it interesting, and earlier in the show, we actually talked about this a little bit, and I think it's a beneficial thing. I'm, I'm a New England guy that's now down here in, in Northeast Florida, uh, but you're like an outsider in a sense. Like yeah. This wasn't somebody that was groomed to be the next you know, voice of the Knowles, and, and it doesn't always work that way, and it's fine that it doesn't work that way. I'm a big fan of new blood and fresh voices. But does, did that surprise you at all? Did you think you would have a hard time getting the gig, being from where you're from and where you've been and, and not really around the, the southeast as much? Yeah, no, not really, to be honest with you. Uh, I understand that there's certainly a component of that from a, a local flavor, right? Uh, who is going to be able to uh, connect with the fan base and who is going to be able to you know, uh, I, I've got to earn the trust of Seminole fans down there. It's going to be a big change, obviously. And I've got to be able um, to get ready each and every game, each and every broadcast, and and uh, put the hard work in like I have everywhere else and, um, you know, earn the earn the trust of, of the fans of, of FSU. And that's going to take time. It's, it's not going to happen in the first game or, shoot, it might not even happen in the first season. But... Um, it's something I've been able to do at some, some different places. Uh, I've, I've had to earn that trust at places like West Virginia. Had to earn that trust. You know, I followed up a legend here, guys, at North Dakota State. A guy by the name of Scott Miller passed away, sadly, in early 2016 due to melanoma. And uh, it, was, it was tough on the fans. It was hard. And I, I came in and I had to honor Scott's legacy. And I had to connect with the fan base in a hurry and do it in, in, a, in a graceful way and do it the right way as well. And so um, that, that was an experience that taught me a lot. And, uh, and certainly uh, I've got to do a lot of the same things with the fan base at Florida State University as well, uh, changing the, with, with changing times with you know, Gene moving on in, in his life and his career. So um, I'm excited for it. Um, yeah, I've got a little bit of that, that uh, outsider feel. There's no question about it. But I can't wait to meet everybody and uh, and get ingrained in the Seminole family. It's going to be a blast. Well, I think it's a good uh, advantage, and, and you'll be an insider soon enough. It won't take uh, a lot of time at all. Jeff Colhane with us, uh, Florida State. Uh, the new voice of the Seminoles, and uh, again, joining us here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. All right, I'm a geek of the business kind of, right? Grew up, uh, I mean, nobody else in my family did it, but I know I've been wanting to do this since I was 12 and had a squeaky little girl's voice. But uh, (laughs) uh, so I do TV as well, and we were talking about this, and and I wonder, is the play-by-play guy still as important in our sports world? And so initially I'd be like, okay, Probably not because not as many people are listening to radio or not as many people are watching TV and definitely not as many people are like reading the paper as used to. We know that has changed. 
But the flip side of that is I think when you make a call, Jeff, for a Florida State mm-hmm. touchdown, hopefully a win, I think it gets pushed out on various platforms to more Correct. things than ever before. And so, Correct. like, maybe not the subtleties in the every moment of the game, but those big moments may be more massive than ever before for a voice of a team. I wonder what your perspective on that is. No, I, I think you hit it on the head. Uh, I think it's just different now, right? There are so many different ways to consume uh, media. And you've got social media. You've got digital. You've got the websites. Um, you've got different ways to listen. Whether it's FM, AM, radio, you got the apps. Um, there, there's so many different ways to get involved. And I, I think, guys, that's one of the great things about this position as well. It's not just play-by-play with football and men's basketball. You know, the vision of Michael Alford, of Caleb Swan, uh, the coaching staffs as well. Um, this director of broadcasting role is one where you're going to have some content creation here. And I think we're going to do some really fun things you know, peeling back the curtain a little bit into uh, the, the lives of, of all, all the coaches and the student-athletes and give folks a, a look behind the scenes of what's going on with Seminole Athletics. And so um, we got some stories that we can tell. Uh, yeah, the, the play-by-play aspect of it is, is different than what it was 15, 20, uh, 30 years ago. But there's just unique ways that you can connect with people and how people are consuming media in this day and age, as you guys know. And we're going to do what we can, do our best to be able to connect with those folks. There's such a great creative uh, marketing and film uh, department within Florida State Athletics, guys, that you've seen the climb, I'm sure, which is like hard knocks. I mean, that stuff mm-hmm. is so amazing. Uh, we're going we're gonna to try and bring more and more of, of some of that uh, to Seminole fans out there and just keep uh, feeding the beast if you will, uh, with uh, with what we pump out there and, and what we provide day in and day out. That's a good way to look at it. Jeff Colhaden with us here on Action Sports Jackson ESPN 690. Uh, probably kept you long enough already, but I'm going to keep you for, for one more. A lot of... Uh there's been some North Dakota State connections over the years here in Jacksonville. I don't think you were there when uh, Gus Bradley and the Todd Wash. Oh, yeah. Uh, were, no, Gus, no would, Todd. Yep. Would you have been there? Because I think they were like 05, 06. Would you have? Yeah, a little, a little before my time. But but uh, I've met Todd. I know Gus a little bit. Uh, obviously know a lot of people that know those guys. But, uh, yes, uh, know of those connections for sure, yeah. And then, of course, more recently, and, and probably what more listeners would like to hear about your take maybe, Carson Wentz. Uh, with sure. Doug Peterson and uh, also Trey Lance now as he begins his career, probably gets a shot to do that in San Francisco. Uh, are, what's your take on those guys? Uh, haven't been maybe see those guys up close before they were big, big stars. Yeah. And um, I, I would ask you also, are you a little surprised at the turn of Carson Wentz's career uh, since the Philly days? Yeah, unbelievable people. I mean, unbelievable people. In fact, Carson is back in Fargo uh, this week with his foundation. Uh, they are having a, a celebrity softball game tomorrow night, the, the AO1 Foundation, which, I mean, Carson has done such amazing work with his, his three ministries and that foundation umbrella in, in helping out people in need and people that don't have a lot and children that, that are suffering from sickness and, and doing whatever they can uh, to provide um, any, any sort of, uh, of help and healing to those folks and their families. It's, it's truly inspirational, guys. It really is. It's amazing. It, um, I have no doubt that Carson has the skill set 
to be one of the great quarterbacks in the National Football League. So much of it is timing. So much of it is fit. Certainly the season didn't end last year the way Carson would have liked. The game in Jacksonville was was not what the Colts were looking for. But uh, he's got it all in there. It's just a matter of can it come out at the right time? And when it does, you know, look out. I go back to his second season in 2017 when he was the MVP of the league before he hurt his knee against the Rams in Los Angeles. And he really propelled and put that Eagles team in a position to win the Super Bowl that season. So it is there. Uh, am I surprised by it? Certainly. You never, you never hope to see, you know, some of the adversity that he has faced with injuries and and uh, trying to to be at the right place at the right time. But uh, it's in there. His skill set is unbelievable. And I don't know if there's uh, as, as good of a person as Carson is. Man, Trey Lance is. He's almost like a unicorn. I mean, as a, as a player, as a person, his year that he was here in Fargo in 2019, he threw 28 touchdowns and no interceptions and won the Walter Payton Award as the best offensive player in FCS football as a freshman. First player to do that uh, in the history of the award. It's like the, the FCS Heisman. So uh, he is going to have huge success, and I, I, I know we'll see him under center for the 49ers here in this upcoming season. Uh, very good insight on those two quarterbacks. Uh, Jeff Cole, hey, we appreciate the time, man, and I think uh, hopefully we'll do this a, a few more times during the course of the season. Good luck on the move uh, to Tallahassee, and, and good luck on the endeavor. Uh, you'll do a fantastic job as the voice of the Seminoles. Appreciate your time. Thank you, guys. Anything you need, I look forward to uh, connecting with you and meeting you guys soon down the road. I appreciate you. You bet. Uh, enjoy the summer. That is uh, Jeff Colhane, uh, the new voice of the Florida State Seminoles. Uh, obviously has the voice of it. Yeah, great voice. I didn't want to say that to him because you know how many people probably say that to him? Everybody. Say, so, yeah, I can tell. Like, as soon as he said hello, I was like, okay, I can see why the tape popped. <laughs> right. It certainly doesn't doesn't help with the uh, legend he's got to follow. Like, he really does have to put in the work there to make a name for himself. Yeah, it's going to take a little bit, but I think he had a great insight on that. He knew it might take more than a year. And I, we talked about that earlier. Mm-hmm. It's just That's just part of it. Like, yeah. Again, there's going to be people all start from the point when there's change. People start from the point of, oh, no. Mm-hmm. Right. And that has nothing to do with Jeff, right? It just didn't matter who it was. It's just this but, isn't what I'm used to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but they'll they'll adapt. And and I'm telling you, by the end of the season, or maybe it's by 2023, they'll they'll feel like Jeff's been there for 25 years. Mm. And he brought up a great that experience at North Dakota State will help him. So he'll never sure. face a more difficult decision, uh, uh, difficult situation than that. Yeah, that is really challenging. What happened uh, in North Dakota State to follow that? So, uh, good luck to Jeff, and I appreciate his time here on the show. Uh, we'll talk a little Iceman when we come back, and a little hockey Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, Game Three. The Lightning have a chance. Nick Luca will join us and get some expert takes on the Stanley Cup Finals along the way. We'll be right back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN Six Night. reason the home team wins you know more games than they lose uh, but it's no guarantee and but our fans have been great we're we've had success in this building um, you know hopefully we draw some energy from the crowd and maybe that helps our start tonight is that your guy John Cooper yep uh, that was ugly yep are you concerned I said they were gonna lose the whole time yeah, I mean, Colorado might be just better, huh? Yeah. Might be. Sometimes that happens, you know. We hate to admit that, but, like, 
A lot, well, a lot of times that just happens. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you win because you play really well. Sometimes you lose. In fact, most sports are lost. Like, at least that's the way it comes across because there's a mistake that happens. A baseball game ends on an error or it looks like the pitcher gave up this. That's how we frame it. Right. Uh, a, a free throw gets missed. Even though we all know one play doesn't define a game, we think think every game gets lost. Yeah, there's some kind of crystallized moment that the game was kind of hung on at yeah. that point. Well, yeah. in the seven and nothing hockey drubbing, <laughs> guess there what? were seven of those moments. The better team won. <laughs> I mean, that's like now. Listen, the Lightning have started slow before, and then once they get cooking, they get cooking. So I'm not, I am not giving up on the Lightning. But they've got a lot of work to do. I think that's uh, very apparent. As Whoever wins, Colorado perhaps, maybe I'll go to their, if Colorado wins, I'll go to their parade next week when I'm out in Denver. Get all cheaped up while you're out there. Do you hear <laughs> Brent with a blunt in his mouth calling into Action Sports Jacks? We could get that done, right? I feel a meme coming on. <laughs> Hopefully Delphonic's listening. <laughs> Put an abs jersey on me, please. Um, he... I was thinking of this, though. The Warriors are going, what's this, their fourth parade in eight years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Will we ever get to a day where we, like, celebrate championships in a different way or parades? It's it? interesting. Like, the whole crowd is just like, all right, we get it. Enough with the parades. <laughs> like, <laughs> can we stop shutting down every major street here? Yeah. Who, no, who started the parades? Like, do we? there's got to be some good history on that. Because I'm thinking, like, the Boston Celtics... Of the 60s? Yeah. It was they, like they a, done a parade. It'd be like an annual holiday. Instead of, the, instead of New Year's Day. Well, I think everything used to get a parade back in the old... Like, wars ended with parades back in the old day. Yeah, so it, it's a traditional, old-school kind of thing. But I saw the Warriors are having a parade. I'm like, my gosh, it's the fourth one. I mean, how do you one-up the last one? Or I, I gotta believe less people are coming to the parades it's now, you know? like it, right. So, I mean, I don't know what the equivalent could be, though. Yeah, there's not a big enough party that involves an entire city or region, really, other than a parade. Like a festival, but a parade, at least, you can, like, focus on a direction. Everyone's moving to a point, and you have a stage and speeches and stuff. I don't, I don't know that you could replace that with something as big. Well, and I think the other part of the parade is, kind of to your point, it's moving, and you're far enough away as, like, players and coaches that you don't necessarily have to interact, but yeah. you're interacting I can tell you as a kid, going to these parades uh, was just an excuse to get out of school because it was always during a weekday. So we were always cutting school. And I hate the Yankees growing up, but I was at every one of those parades you were? in the 90s. Oh, yeah. Why? Because all my friends were hanging out. We were cutting school. We were doing uh, bad things with my friends. And, and it was just a reason to be out there. Still cursing the Yankees <laughs> as they make their speeches. <laughs> well, I hope you were. I mean, I can't believe you attended that. It must have been yeah. like... It was rough, sickening. But you know, this is part of the sports depression that I'm uh, that I'm that I'm under. Is that I, I'm a glutton for punishment, Brent. I mean, I like the Mets because I like the pain, which is why I'm looking forward to the collapse in a couple of weeks. Winning six nothing right now, by the way. Yeah, against the Marlins. That's so not very. Yeah. Fun. I always no thought someday I would do a show with a Mets fan, just not Aaron. <laughs> Maybe a different one. Yeah. <laughs> well, that one's not coming that anytime tra- soon. Trajectory was unless, going. Unless you watch TV Sunday nights. <laughs> That's right. That does happen, I guess. Uh, it, one, one other thing about the parades, and then we're going to get Nick Luco on here from the Jacksonville Iceman, who hopefully they'll have a parade someday. Like, and this, like, the parade would be cool in Jacksonville. Sure. Because we don't have them. Yeah, we've never had one of them. <laughs> yeah. Like, so like, I'm trying to sit here and say from an overarching point of view, the parade feels old to me. 
And most of it's because Golden State now has four of them in the last eight years. The Red Sox have had a few of them. The Yankees yeah. had a million of them. The, the, you know, a, all this stuff. It's a like, dynasty business. Yeah. But I also say, okay, bring that parade to Jacksonville. It would be awesome. Yeah. Where would it be? It would have to be on Bay Street, right? Yeah. I mean, I think so. Um, I mean, Just take Bay Street all the way down good to the ideas in the past. Believe me. Pay, uh, Jacksonville sports fans have already laid out the, the route. <laughs> They've been ready okay. for years. Yeah. <laughs> They've been ready. Yeah. Uh, maybe the Jacksonville Iceman will bring us a parade. Nick Luco, uh, welcome aboard Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I'm not sure if parade route um, designer was part of your new contract extension. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that wasn't in there. But, I mean, I'm happy to uh, help, help plan that one if we can get to that point someday. Yeah, well, you came closer than ever. And then run into the buzzsaw, the uh, Everblades, who end up winning uh, the Kelly Cup. And did you know they were that good when you played them, I guess? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think if you looked at our regular season uh, games against those guys, I know we think we finished seven three and one against them. But uh, every every game was like overtime or shootout or, or one goal game. So it's kind of how it went in the playoffs for us. We ended up getting swept, but every every game could have gone either way. Or just like you said, we ran into a bit of a buzzsaw there. I remember saying that actually uh, here on the show. Like you usually look at a sweep and you're like, wow, they got crushed or something. That wasn't the case in that series. I mean, that was. Uh, everything was tight. Yeah, really. in, in the one game here, I think it was game three here. From the, I think it was the one where Doug Peterson dropped the puck, and you they scored like two quick goals, and then nothing after that. I mean, it was just you guys couldn't get get one in the net either. But these games were closer than it looked. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like you said there. Uh, game three, they score a couple quick ones, and then they're really you know two of the the best two defensive teams in the league going at it. So they shut her down after that, and then. Game four is one nothing overtime loss where I think we had four or five grade A opportunities in the third period and early in overtime there, and it just uh, wasn't meant to be, unfortunately. What have you been up to since the end of the season? Uh, we did, uh, my girlfriend and I took a little trip to the Bahamas for uh, a long weekend, and uh, other than that, we've been just uh, hanging out in Jacksonville here, getting some golf in, hitting up the beach, so just kind of decompressing after a long season. Yeah, it is a long season, uh, by the way, and you, you signed the contract extension. How important uh, was it to keep some continuity uh, after this successful year and also kind of lead the Iceman as an organization into, um, I'm not sure they're calling it a new era, but it kind of feels like with the igloo opening up and, and kind of that next step, uh, did that hold some importance to you? Yeah, yeah, I know, like, for me, and I know speaking on behalf of the players, too, there's there's a bit of unfinished business with the way the season ended here, so um, I couldn't be happier working and living in Jacksonville. So, um, you know, I'm extremely thankful to Andy and Bob for, for the support since day one and with the extension here. Uh, I couldn't be more happy right now. Nick Luco with us, Jacksonville Iceman uh, head coach. Uh, by the way, at the age of 30, I know that was the topic of conversation early in the year uh, how much did you learn out of this this season at the helm in Jacksonville? And I, I'm not saying you weren't good because you guys obviously did the best this franchise has ever done. But how much better of a coach do you think you'll be in year two? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, this year was <laughs> was crazy. You know, I again hired late in the summer and kind of uh, jumping right into the fire there, putting a team together, and then going through everything during the season with adversity and call-ups and COVID and, and everything like that. Like, it's looking back on it, it's probably going to be one of the best years of my life, uh, just in terms of the experience gained. Nick Luco with us. All right, uh, play analyst, expert analyst. I know you you got to be locked into watching these Stanley Cup finals. Uh, we were just talking about it. I mean, is Colorado just 
that good. Sometimes you got to tip your cap. Uh, they certainly look that good in game two. Yeah, yeah, they're they're a wagon right now. They're they're all over them. And the one thing I would say though is you can never count Tampa Bay out. I think there's been a couple times during the playoffs this year where people might have counted them out, especially against the Rangers there in the last series. But I don't know. Like Colorado just. Um, They've been through the ringer a little bit. They've had their ups and downs. You, you kind of wonder if this is their time. And honestly, right now, I'm, I'm hoping the series goes a little longer because I think we're watching, you know, two of the best teams to, to ever make the finals. Um, so it'd be great for the game if, if we can get it to six or seven games here. Oh, you just said something that caught my attention. Two of the best teams to ever make it. You know, I just came off the NBA Finals, and I actually said this last week. I said, I'm not sure these two teams will be mentioned in that kind of category if you talk about the Celtics and Warriors. I, I wouldn't have done that. Um, I thought they were okay championship caliber teams, not unbelievable elite championship caliber teams. I think there's a difference. Uh, what makes you say that about Colorado, who hasn't been there in a while, and Tampa, who obviously I can see where you would draw that, considering they've won two in a row? Yeah, I mean, to me, uh, and you hear a lot of comparisons to the 80s, the, the Islanders and, and Oilers, you know, coming up around that same time. And, and uh, I think it's something where, you know, if Colorado is able to pull it off this year, you could easily see them win a couple more cups. Uh, it's a lot harder now with 32 teams, but. And then, obviously, you got Tampa, who's, who's had so much success over the last decade. It's, it's really fun hockey to watch, and I think it's, it's been awesome for, for the states and TV viewership now that, um, you know, hockey's back on ESPN, and TNT did a great job there as well. So I know uh, playoff viewership is up, you know, tremendously this year, which, which is awesome for our game. You know, people say about Tampa that they just know how to win. At this level, does that – that still rings true? Like, I've – like, I get what they're saying, but, I mean, do they just play with the so much confidence that they kind of know they're going to beat you? I mean, it feels a little bit Patriot-like where even the Patriots didn't have some of the, maybe the best team in the NFL that year, but they were going to beat you. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's that's a perfect comparison. You know, they they went through a lot of hard times like a couple of years ago when they won the President's Trophy as a top team in the regular season and got swept in the first round uh, to Columbus. Um they haven't lost a playoff series since, so um, they know how to win in every way possible. They can they can run you out of the rink, which obviously we didn't see the other night, but or they can shut you down and Vasilevsky can make 38 saves and they can win one nothing. So um, yeah, you kind of gain that experience over time, and I, I think if you're looking to the way our season ended, that's what Florida they had a little bit more experience, they had some guys who, who had been around the block, and that kind of propelled them to to win a championship. All right, uh, let me keep you for, for one more moment here. The Avalanche look so fast, so fast. How rare yeah. is that to jump at this level, this deep into the postseason, to jump off the page, the TV, even to the casual viewer, say, wow, that looks different? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you're going to see a lot of teams trying to emulate the way they play. I know that's what we tried to do this year. I think um, – having those uh, explosive skating defensemen like they have and, and McCarr and Taze and Girardi who's not even playing. He got hurt uh, second round, I believe. So I think um, you have to be able to skate in today's game, but you also still need that toughness that you would see in the 80s and 90s. And it's turning into the, the hybrid uh, in the NHL where it's like guys are, are so skilled and fast now and having that physical um, 
mentality is been extremely fun to watch this uh, this postseason. It's interesting you bring that up because I said this to Casey the other day. It's like it's really hard to tell in the NHL. Every athlete is bigger, faster, stronger in every sport. Every sport. Uh, but it's kind of hard to see that sometimes on skates, at least, again, to the casual person. is From an athlete makeup standpoint, is the athlete in the NHL today a lot better than it was 20 years ago? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think it's just with the technology and the sports science and everything like that. It's the, the way the player trains today is, is all about explosive, uh, basically sprints, um, you know, to, to prepare yourself for those 40-second shifts. So guys are a lot smarter with their nutrition and uh, uh, taking care of themselves in the summers. So uh, it used to be back in the day you'd, you'd show up to training camp to get in shape, and now if you don't show up in shape, um, they're probably not going to last too uh, last too long in the league. Uh, by the way, go to jacksonvilleiceman.com, uh, not only for a look at, at what's to come in 2022-2023, but also you can win some autographed uh, Iceman jerseys along the way. Uh, hey, do you watch this thing with a cold one in your hand as a fan, or you look at this uh, Stanley Cup Finals like from the way I'm grilling you as an analyst? Uh, no, I like to relax and then <laughs> have a cold one and watch games sometimes, so... Um, that's the that's the fun part, um, you know, when you when you don't have to be at the rink and you don't have to have your uh, brain completely turned on. But there are things that I, I look for in a coach, and it's interesting to watch, uh, you know, at the highest level this time of year, the Stanley Cup Finals, where you get, you know, like I said, two of the best teams uh, to ever make it. Well, enjoy the cold one tonight for Game Three. We appreciate taking the time. Congrats on the extension, and and look forward to Iceman hockey coming up uh, later on this calendar year. Thanks, Nick. Yes. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. You bet. That's Nick Luco joining us here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Uh, I, I don't want to say this with him on, Casey, but... He can still hear you. Uh, well, well, then I'll say it with him not answering. One more year like that, he won't be in Jacksonville. Yeah, he won't. No, I was. I, that's that's the one thing I get from him. Like, as good as they were and as young as he is and intelligent as he is, he, he'll, yeah, he'll be... He'll be making his way up and in the NHL at some point, I firmly believe and, that. And by the way, give the Rangers and the Iceman too as part of this, And but uh, like Bob Aroblo and company speak highly of the Rangers organization, or should I say organization? Because I feel like if I'm talking hockey, I should say organization. Um, okay. Come on, man. That's what they say. Okay, I'm with you. And uh, so give them credit for going to find Luke. Like they knew that this guy was a hot up-and-coming coach. And they gave him the reins at 29 years old. It's crazy. I mean, <laughs> 29 years old. But they might have hit a home run, but I guess that's the tough thing to do. You hit a home run in the ECHL, your home run is at most, what, three years? At most, but the organizational standpoint, that's why I give the Rangers credit because the hope is in five years he's on their bench. That's a good call. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, I mean, if I'm not saying five years, but you get my point, uh, mm -hmm. that, that he could eventually be there. And, hey. We've seen some, like, if you want to call them whiz kids, in the front office and GM from Theo Epstein to coaching in Sean McVay. Sure. Like, this is not new. Uh, but they found, I think, maybe one of the future stars in, in coaching in Nick Luco here in the Jacksonville Iceman. They'll keep him there for another few years, hopefully, but uh, kind of you root for them to also get a nod to the next level sometime soon as well. We'll see if that happens uh, for Coach Luco. Tampa and Colorado tonight. In game three, Tampa need to win, obviously, to make this into a series down two to nothing. We'll be right back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690.
In terms of my extension, man, I, I don't really plan on going anywhere. So, you know, this is, uh, like I said, this is added motivation for our franchise to be um, at the top of the league uh, for the next few years. And, um, you know, I'm just looking forward to the summer and just building with our guys here. When I say I'm, I'm here with Kev, I think that it really entails us um, you know, managing this franchise together alongside Joe and, and Sean and um, just our, our group of family members that we have in, in our locker room and our, in our organization. I give up. Who is that? Kyrie. Oh, wow. Not looking good. Yeah, it's not looking good for Kyrie Irving, right? Mm-hmm. What's this- his deal? Like, I saw a headline and I honestly didn't click on it, uh, but... Like, what's the contract status? Well, he's... So why is the impasse? Like, he, he, he needs a, a new deal. He already needs a new deal? Well, he sat out basically a year and then only played half of another year. And yeah. now the, it, it, I think he's... Uh, is it unrestricted? Do you know, Casey? He's unrestricted, yeah. Yeah. So uh, he's talking to the Nets. The Nets are like, we don't want to pay the money for this guy. He thinks he's still worth a lot of money. He's not coming down off of his uh, number. So he's fielding other offers. From who? You got me. People saying the Knicks are in it. I don't know about that. I think they saw what you get when you get Kyrie when he landed across the street. Who are you more afraid of? Casey. As a... (laughs) Fair, too. Uh, Who are you more afraid of as a building block or a piece? And maybe this isn't good because age-wise, I might age age him out a little bit, but I'm going to go for it anyway. Russell Westbrook or Kyrie Irving? (sighs) I mean, age-wise, you're talking pretty much the same stratosphere. Yeah. Russell Westbrook feels older to to me. I don't even know how old he is. Much better player. I mean, I believe Kyrie, one of the better pure point guards that the NBA's seen in a long time. But if I had to choose between the two after witnessing the disaster that Kyrie was the last few years, I'd go ahead and take a ride on the uh, Westbrook train for a season, see how that goes. It wasn't too pretty in L.A. Or anywhere else he's been, really. (laughs) I, I, was, I think he's like an enigma in a weird way because I love the way he plays the game. He's oh, yeah. a stat machine, obviously, but he can't win. Casey? I would take any random person from the YMCA <laughs> over those two. <laughs> <laughs> you can give me the last pick in the draft. I will draft a point guard, and he will be my starter over either of those two. So this is what I don't understand sometimes about sports. And, and like, it's a supply and demand business. Right, every business is supply and demand to some degree. Like, why are they in demand to get to the point? Like, why is Kyrie Irving, if you really don't think you can win with him, no matter if he's a good player or not? I mean, there are a lot of people that are good players, good athletes, good whatever, but you know they're like, you're not going to win with them. You don't touch them, whether that's high school level, college level, pro uh, pro level, they pay him anyway. But like, you're like, I can fix them. Like, are the teams like, I can make it work. Yeah, I can I, fix him. He's talented enough. Because he is a talented guy. I'm not, I'm not taking that away from him. But like, if I'm building a team, I'm sitting here as the GM, and I'm Memphis, and I can add one more piece. I'm like, well, I'm not taking that piece. I'm not going to win with that piece. I think there are very specific teams in on these guys. Just like the very specific teams that every year were in on Dwight Howard, knowing what they knew about this guy, bringing him into a locker room. It's got to be a team with established superstars. It's got to be a team where these guys aren't going to go in and ruin the locker room. There, You're just going to give Kyrie space to Kyrie out in the corner and then do your thing. You're just going to give Westbrook space to do his Westbrook thing, and LeBron can handle the rest of the team with Anthony Davis over there on the other side of the locker room. I just, 
I don't see these guys going to a team where you got to lean on them to help build it. They tried that in Boston with Kyrie. That was an unmitigated disaster. But that's the thing. Do we know that they're in demand? Like, LeBron wanted Westbrook. KD wanted Kyrie. Mm -hmm. Do we know anybody else wanted him? Well, the last time around, Kyrie did have a couple of suitors, but he had agreed, legally or illegally, that he was going to play with KD and DeAndre Jordan. But this is different now. I think now, like, if I'm a team that, like, I guess we can get Brian. I'll get Brian's take on this on OT, but like the Heat feel like they're probably a point guard away. I don't think Kyrie's that point guard, though. But and, I think and, you, you can put Westbrook on that team, and that team is still pretty great. Ugh. But here's the deal like, what's what I don't get? Like, in what business would you pay $30 million for something you don't think is going to work? There it is. Like, and if it does work, and it's, it's been proven not to work. Right. But if it does, it's only working for a half season or a season. It's not a long-term solution either. You're, it's a great like, point. Isn't that a weird supply and demand kind of thing that happens in sports sometimes? There's not a lot of guys like this. Yeah. There's not a lot. I mean, I just think it's crystal clear in the NBA with these particular players. And by the way, I like Russell Westbrook as a player. I, I, I really enjoy the way he plays the game. And I credit him as much as I can because I don't think in that sport, especially and in that league, you see guys playing 120 miles an hour all the time. No. And and that dude does. Yeah. And I got a lot of respect for it. But he can't win. Unless he's playing on a team by himself. You're right. And and Kyrie's different now with all the other stuff that's going on. I mean, it feels like a changed everything from the Cleveland days who I was very high on him. Although I did look at him more as a Robin than a Batman, even sure. then. But I, I don't know, man. I just don't understand. <laughs> like somebody's going to do it. Somebody's going to go pay thirty-five million for one of these guys or both these guys, and and they're basically signing up to not win. Real quick before you hit break, so is OBJ the football version of what these guys are in basketball? They just well, I mean, he got hurt, but they won. I mean, when he plays, he plays well. But he's I'd not a locker no. room guy. He's pulling people apart. Every stop he goes. I was trying to think of an NFL guy that you could relate to these two, and I think the closest thing I can come to is, like, the last few years of Antonio Brown. I was going to say Antonio Brown's another one, yeah. Because you're like, all right, let's try it, sell our soul. I mean, to be honest with you, Urban Meyer proved to be. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we're definitely not going to disrespect OBJ and call him uh, AB, right? No, I mean, you you can't say that. I'm just confirming that that's not what we're going to do. I think he left Cleveland and was that dude again. I was going to say, I think Cleveland's, Cleveland was almost the team that looked at fault in that more than Odell Beckham Jr. No doubt. Because he went and played really well. I think Odell fans would say that. But if you watch the end of his Giants career, you saw that slip a little bit. And then he had the buffer on L.A. of all of those big receivers and a great quarterback. He might be the, the actual opposite of Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving early so? in his career mm-hmm. looked like he was going to be really good and win multiple championships. Sure. And it's flip-flopped. OBJ... Coming from New York looked like he was going to be a, a case to deal with everywhere he went. Mm-hmm. And he might be flipping that around where he's like a sought-after commodity when healthy. Yeah, this season will matter for that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll be back. Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690. Football at 5. Coming up next here on ESPN 690.